United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining me now is Tamana Talakudin, who's the director of South Asia programs at the U.S. Institute of Peace, where she oversees their work in Pakistan and broader South Asia. She joins us now. Tamana, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Laura. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're here. You know, we've been following along with what's happening in Pakistan and the arrest of Imran Khan. Tell me a little bit about what's been happening how we got to that point and the implications now. Sure. Thanks so much. You know, Pakistan is no stranger to uh, political crises. And currently the country is facing lots of crises. Some may call it a poly crisis. They're on the verge of economic default. They have rising terrorism. But in the midst of that, what's picking up everyone's attention is this political crisis. It's really the arrest last week is the proximate cause of which was uh, corruption charges against Imran Khan. He was arrested last Tuesday. But this is the culmination of a year-long political crisis that started last spring with Imran Khan's ouster and a no-confidence motion. As, you know, He was serving prime minister. He was voted out of office um, by the parliament. But that has led to, since last year, a steady drumbeat of Imran Khan accusing the military establishment, the current government, and even uh, Western powers like the United States of a conspiracy theory to oust him, to remove him from office. And it, it really is emblematic of larger, complicated civil-military relationships in Pakistan. Now, the, the actual latest round was the arrest of Imran Khan, which followed with two days of very violent protests by his supporters, including storming the army headquarters, burning down senior military officials' uh, houses, and several deaths across the country. Um, in a surprising move, the Supreme Court then uh, released him inter- on Thursday, and then he's been granted bail. Right now, we're seeing protests by the current government and counter-protests by Imran Khan. So this is not over. The crisis continues. In fact, he's been calling for continued protests, and he's had an interesting relationship with the military. Um, you know, at first he was supportive of a coup back, well, I think, in 1999, then came to power in 2008. And ever since then, there seems to have been a change in the way the military views Khan. Tell me about that complex relationship. Sure. You know, um, back in the day in the early 2000s, I mean, he's been in politics for a long time. He's very famous as a famous cricket star who helped win a World Cup in the 90s. Um, He's done a lot of charity, but he wasn't able to really win in parliamentary elections. He could barely win his own seat. It was only in 2018, and most observers will say, with the help of the military, he was able to come to power and become prime minister. And so they had what many called a hybrid regime, where you had a civilian face, a very popular civilian face in Imran Khan, with uh, the military establishment, which in Pakistan has long been known as the protector of the state, provider of stability. So they were behind the scenes controlling some of the more important things like nuclear security, the counterterrorism policy, uh, relations with their neighbors. And it all seemed fine until they had growing rifts between them when Imran Khan started to be more independent, do things the military didn't like, both on foreign policy, on appointments, etc., 
Um, and since then, that rift has only grown. And he is doing what maybe no prime minister before him has done is, uh, you know, naming and shaming the military, even personalizing it. Just this weekend, he was personally calling out the army chief. He previously has called out senior military officials by name, accusing them of assassination plots. Um, I mean, this isn't a country where that was never the case before. And so he's got a large popular movement behind him. And what we're headed to is, uh, you know, really a clash between the very powerful military and the very popular former Prime Minister Khan. So is he popular or is the military that unpopular? I, I see from a lot of the reporting, there seems to be, you know, questions about the success of his tenure. And also, is he um, is he more uh, is he actually truly an invested populist or is he someone who is the viable alternative to the military that's been accused of longstanding corruption or is it a little bit of both? I mean, it is a little bit of both. I mean, I don't think there's any political actor in Pakistan that you probably couldn't find some sort of corruption case against. Look, it's it's two very different uh, two things. One, the military has largely been popular, especially when they made Imran Khan popular. They were popular. Um, but Imran Khan's steady beat of accusing the military of things has really uh, taken a lot of shine off the apple. And Imran Khan, at the end of his prime ministership, wasn't very popular because he didn't do a great job in governance. Now, by taking him out of office, they've made him this political martyr. And so now you could argue he is definitely by far the most popular candidate across the country. Part of that is because there is no real great alternative. But a lot of it has to do with his sort of mix of populism, a little bit of pan-Islamism. And then at the same time, he's got a leftist anti-imperial streak. All of this speaks to a Pakistani populist that's really fed up with corruption, with bad governance, terrible economics. And what they see as a state that continues to repeat its problems, and interestingly, a state that is far more isolated from uh, other countries. You know, we aren't next door in Afghanistan, so Pakistan's not high on the U.S. priority list. Um, they've been somewhat isolated from their natural allies in the Middle East who are, have a closer relationship now economically with India. China remains in their corner, but it hasn't come to bail them out. And they are sitting on the brink of a default. So what is the, the, his relationship with, with Russia, for example? I know there's been some conversation around Khan and that. Yeah, I mean, they don't have a deep, a deep uh, relationship with Russia. I think they played um, the Russian debacle poorly. I think that was one of the portions of fallout. Imran Khan went and had this photo op with Putin the day that he was invading Ukraine. I think Putin played Imran Khan there. They don't get that much from Russia. They're even, you know, they're buying a little bit of oil, but relative to their neighbors, not very much. Um, I think that is more of a red herring. Uh, you know, Imran Khan likes a good strong man, so a picture with Putin is never bad. Uh, but that's another thing that the military, ha- you know, differed with him on. Really important to get your perspective and help us understand this much more. Tamara Salakudin, thank you for your time. I appreciate it so much. Thanks so much. Take care. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.